I was uh, putting out reviews of projects and, and interviews of what I learned. And so people started gravitating towards that and asking me for help with what they were building. And then that eventually led to people offering to pay me for, for advice and guidance and, and strategy with NFT projects. And so I would just say in general, you know, if, if you're really, really interested in something and you're willing to learn about it to the extent that you can teach others, there's typically a market out there, whether you're giving it away for free or charging for it. Um, but it's also important to know your, your worth. And so once you get to the point where, you know, you've learned a, a ton or you built up a, a big audience, you know, people are, are either willing to pay to learn from you or willing to pay to sponsor you to have access to the audience that you've built. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Crypto, the podcast exploring all things entertainment and Web3. I'm your host, Stephen Ladin, and this week, our guest is Ben Jamin. Ben is an NFT trader and a crypto advisor, and he started his career in the world of restaurants, so couldn't be further from crypto, yet he was able to do some day trading of crypto on the side. His pursuit of knowledge and the desire to learn new things is really the backbone to Ben's success in this space, so much so that he now teaches crypto, teaches how to purchase NFTs, advises on all that stuff to artists and Web3 creators. So really interesting story on how someone who knew nothing about the space was dedicated, learned, taught themselves, and now they're teaching other people. So really cool stuff. Let's dive in. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Nice to meet you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, great uh, great to meet you as well and uh, excited to have you on. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, you know, your early beginnings as, as young Ben. You know, did he ever envision getting into the Web3 space? What were you interested in way back when? Yeah, I think it would, it would be hard to you know, guess what the future would be like you know, so many years ago before smartphones were even available, right? But um, I, I was really into sports growing up, playing sports, watching sports. Uh, wasn't much of a collector outside of Pokemon cards, which I think anyone who, who grew up around my time, you know, can say the same for the most part. But it, it was mostly through my grandma buying me packs and, and me opening it. So it, it, I didn't have money to go out collecting on my own and things like that. But uh, it was something that I enjoyed. Um, wasn't really into uh, collecting sneakers or art or anything like that. But for the most part, um, I had, you know, baseball cards and, and things, basketball cards and stuff like that. But uh, sports and technology were really my early foundation. So I used to, you know, love playing video games, Warcraft and Starcraft and stuff like that. And I would also uh, do some minor coding back in the day with like Visual Basic and and some lower level uh, languages. But um, I really enjoy tech. I really enjoy sports and I really enjoy community. And hmm. so um, th there's definitely been, you know, um, a history of all those things with me and just really happy to be here and where all my paths converged. And, you know, Web3 is is where I ended up. Sure. And so it sounds like then, then there was a, an early sort of interest in collecting and tech that, as you said, built the foundation for where you are today. How did, did you know when you were growing up that, that a career in 
tech was possible or you know when you're playing warcraft is that just an outlet for an interest it was definitely an outlet uh you know i spent a lot of time outside playing basketball and football but for the most part when i was home um you know i didn't really know what to do with myself but my mom always had a computer in the office and always let me use it and so i just ended up playing games uh the, the, you know at that time there were definitely video games available um nintendo and and i think the early playstation around that time as well but i i definitely gravitated a little bit towards the the um i, I forget what kind of genre they're in now but you know the the, the warcraft style sure and so sort uh, of the the role-playing games yeah 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 i guess so but um like i i wasn't really into like final fantasy type stuff that a lot of my friends were um i i really liked more multiplayer Mm. stuff as opposed to uh single player you know play the campaign kind of things um i wasn't really into collecting as much as it just kind of happened by default because that's what the craze was at the time with pokemon cards but um i always kind of knew i would be involved in some kind of technology i just wasn't really sure what it's just always been uh one of my passions gotcha gotcha so Early on, you're you're as you're saying, you're you're playing basketball and football, collecting sort of uh, a hobby. Games tech is just available to you in the house. It's it's in all of those areas. It sounds like you are just pursuing interests, and eventually they all come come together. What what was the start of all of these kind of different interests starting to kind of merge? It's it's a little hard to say, um, you know, to pinpoint exactly when, but I have always tried to stay a little bit ahead of the curve, especially regarding technology and things like that. So I actually began trading crypto in 2016. So I found NFTs maybe a year later in 2017. And so the the combination of, you know, trading and trying to find something new, but also having interest in finance and economics as well, I think that kind of led to the convergence of that a little bit more because I got into crypto due to wanting to learn more about, you know, the financial system and how the dollar works. And uh, once I heard that, you know, we were, we lost like 90%, 97% or, or so of our purchasing power for the U.S. dollar since like 1913, I started trying to find ways to, you know, hedge against that, I guess, and in a way where, you know, Bitcoin at the time, the the narrative was a little bit of a hedge against inflation and trying to have more custody over your money. And so that led to me trading things like Ethereum and and Litecoin and, and getting a little bit bored of just the numbers and, you know, searching Google, like, what else can I do with crypto? And CryptoKitties at the time by Dapper Labs is something that popped up. And we didn't really refer to them as NFTs then, but it really was the the basis for how I ended up, you know, really being involved in this current iteration of what NFTs are. Mm. So again, just to bring it back to interests, it sounds like you were, as you said, you had an interest in finance the the kind of background of the uh decline in the valuation of the dollar and that led to sort of an organic pursuit of alternative options and and 
you know, meandered your way through to crypto. But again, the the impetus it sounds like is a desire to both learn and and you know explore the space, uh, which seems consistent with pursue, pursuing football, pursuing baseball, pursuing collecting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you should always follow what you love and what you're passionate about. And, you know, we were told, or at least I was told growing up that, you know, you could be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do. And I took that pretty literally to the point where I said, okay, well, whatever I want to do, I can figure out a way to, you know, turn my passions into something viable for myself economically. It's just hard to say, like, you know, when you're when you're playing video games that I'm going to be a professional gamer before people are being paid to game. Right. Right. So I love playing video games, but I didn't really see a professional path forward for that. And, and nor was I good enough to do anything <laughs> like that. You know, I, I just enjoy playing. Um, but I, I think, you know, you really should follow your passions and, and where you find yourself putting the most amount of your time into. Um I feel like there's always some kind of way to benefit from that socially and financially. And, you know, we've seen with, you know, the rise of the internet and the rise of the smartphone and just having things so available to people in a way that really never was the case throughout history. You can really follow whatever passion you like. You know, you could stream, you could podcast, you can create content, you can do anything you want to do. And there pretty much is an audience out there for you. So following that logic, you know, if I like NFTs, you know, I it, it doesn't have to be just trading NFTs that you can make money from. You can become, you know, a podcaster, a content creator, get sponsorships and and figure out a way to make some money that's ethical and follows in line with your passion and what you love to do. Mm. And in on the route to or you know, on the road to NFTs, did you collect or or were you collecting professionally what was sort of the 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 path that led up to the the exploration of you know the 2016 2017 um dive into web3 and and you know crypto kitties at the time and stuff like that well i i think it had to do with just curiosity and a little bit of boredom you know, um, I wasn't really trading that much then, but I was, you know, buying a little bit of, of stuff here and there. And I wasn't really into stocks yet, I guess. So for me, it was more about, you know, here's this instrument that I could dip my toes into, right? Like I, I didn't like, you know, ape all my money into it, but I was able to, to dip my toes in and in a way that um, keeps me invested not just financially but with um my mental capacity and just wanting to follow along and i feel like if i had a little bit of skin in the game i would stay interested in it and so that's essentially what happened but instead of the route that i i know a lot of people took in terms of trying to find a bunch of other different coins and what do all these different coins do and how do they interact I went less through that path and more of just like, what else can I do with the coins that I have? And so that's what brought me to uh, finding out CryptoKitties and, oh, wow, you know, I could buy these digital cats, I can breed them, I can sell them, I could trade them. 
And and mind you, before that, I had been interested in something called Neopets, which um, I'm not sure you know how many people out there know about it, but it was basically kind of like crypto kitties, but without the um, blockchain aspect of it. And it was browser based and you could do similar things. So it was a little bit of a connection to me that said, this is something that I could do and potentially make money from it. And, you know, I, I wasn't you know, a, a whale by any means or anything, but I explored it enough that when the mainstream version of NFTs came around, you know, I was already familiar enough with the concept to be able to dive in a lot sooner than I think someone who had just found the technology, even though I, I still wanted to research it and figure out what was happening and how it was different. But it was really just all stemmed from interest and I guess a little bit of tinkering, you know, hmm. figuring out, um, you know, I, I used to like to take things apart and put them back together and what's on the inside of, of this calculator or this Game Boy and stuff like that. So um, hardware and software w was always a little bit of a of an interest for me, but it, you know, I just liked being online. And as someone who is social but is still pretty introverted, you know, I I do find online to be you know a, a lot of more comfort for me, you know, talking in chat rooms and hanging out with other people who like to do the same than going out to a bar. Gotcha, gotcha, and and so. Prior to the exploration then of uh, NFTs specifically, and you know, you mentioned Neopets and stuff like that, were you involved in, for, for uh, career-wise, were you involved in a financial position, a tech position? Was I guess was the the segue into the exploration of of crypto and stuff like that a deviation from what you are? Uh, already into or was was it more of a seamless path well my, my path had a lot to do with um flexibility so i i worked in restaurants for most of my i guess professional career from i started around 16 um all the way through maybe 2020 was when i stopped working at restaurants and so did everything from like busboy all the way up to managing and there's a lot of flexibility with schedule. And also one of the things that I loved about it is, you know, it's commission-based. So you get out what you put in. And I, I like that aspect of work in general. Um, I think, you know, doing the, the hourly and you get paid this amount of hour to show up every day and do the, you know, almost the same things over and over. I felt that was pretty mundane. And for the most part, um, I get bored easily, so I would I would get bored of things like that. And being involved in the restaurant industry, you know, I was able to um, really sharpen my social skills. I also learned a lot from a lot of different people. I would always be asking people, "Hey, you know, what do you do for work? And do you like that? And and how how was your path? And and you know, getting into this career." So um, it it really put me in a position to learn a lot from a lot of people, sharpen some of my skills along the way and have the flexibility to be able to tap into some other things like crypto just through the fact that um, I, I was just able to be interested in other things. And I, I think there was, there was some lack of finality to mm -hmm. that. So if I was going to go down a specific path, I would feel like 
the rest of my life would be dedicated to that path. And I just didn't really know what I wanted to do for a long time. And so, you know, just being around the internet, being around websites and being around online communities was just something that just stayed appealing to me from when I was a kid, you know, in those AOL chat rooms, you know, ASL and things like that all the way up to, you know, discord alpha groups. And, you know, I've just been, that's kind of been what my comfort zone is. So that's why I, I think I just, no matter what I was doing professionally, I always gravitated back towards these type of online communities. Got you. And so, so essentially the internet provided a sort of place and a playground to explore a variety of different things in a way that perhaps offline things might've been more limited or, you know, as you, as you were saying, more finite. Yeah. Yeah. It allowed me to leave my options open and, you know, that's not for everybody, right? Some people know what they want to be. They, you know, they want to be a doctor or they want to be a lawyer. So they know what the path is. And I just never knew what my path was. And I, you know, I tried a bunch of different things, had a bunch of different types of jobs and and stuff like that. But, um, I always liked the saying, I'd rather be a, a jack of all trades than a master of none. So that's, that's, or I, I might've butchered that, but essentially <laughs> that that's, that's what I tried to do. And I tried to learn a lot of different categories of information, I guess, throughout the years. So, you know, finance and, and tech and social skills and self-improvement and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they, they all kind of tie into each other in certain ways. So yeah, I, I like, I liked the the lack of finality to where I was, but also the, the more time you spend in that environment and the older you get, the, the more finality and stability you start to want to, to crave. And, and that actually ended up happening to me, which led me a little bit more in this direction. Interesting. So, so it was, it's kind of like the timing in a weird way, the timing of you pursuing the, 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 call it the internet path ultimately led to the stability or the the finite path that perhaps you were initially like more more hesitant or resistant to go follow through on indirectly actually so what ended up happening is you know I was working in restaurants and I didn't like a few things about it so while the there's a lot of flexibility in it and you can you know make good money and stuff you are limited in a sense to to what you can actually do and it's it's not scalable so you know you need to if you want to make a lot more money you have to take a lot more tables or you have to work in you know a, a much more extravagant environment which never really played well into it for me but i was doing a lot of um serving and bartending and late hours, you know, working 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. And and I wanted a little bit more stability in my life. So I, I had experienced a lot of that flexibility. But I ended up, um, you know, th- taking a few paths. I, I ended up working at a military manufacturing facility, which was almost on the other spectrum. So entirely inflexible. Mm. But I was starting to... Um, grow a family. I, I was with my now wife and we were starting to get engaged and things like that. So I wanted to have more of a, a, a standard, I guess, job that's like a, you know, that kind of nine to five feel 
And I ended up going from one extreme to the other. But that helped me to know that I, I appreciate the middle ground a lot more. So I was able to find, I, I, I guess, find a balance from mm -hmm. that. And while I was working there, I was still, you know, trading crypto and and involved in learning more. And, and that's when I started to get into some other things and inevitably led to me jumping in a little bit more heavy into things like web design, web development, and and then working on stuff like um, NFTs. Hmm. And so what was sort of the tipping point of, you know, when you, when you finally could be, I guess when you had the realization that, you know, the, the restaurant world was what you were going to segue out of and, and focus on Web3 full-time, what was sort of that, was it, was it a moment, a collection of experiences? What was that sort of gear shift into, hey, I think this is my new direct the playground that was once uh you know more exploring interests and in, in providing this freedom actually is going to be the the stability that I, I want at this time. Well, there was a few stops in between. So ar around I think 2014, I I discovered daily fantasy sports and you know I was big into sports and um, season long and I like playing with my friends and stuff, but I, I discovered daily fantasy sports like FanDuel and DraftKings and ended up doing pretty well early on. So I, I, I won some big tournaments and, and made some good money from it. So I ended up um, curating a bunch of data from all over the web for uh, baseball and putting it together on these Excel sheets where we would make projections and ranking systems and stuff like that. And we were just putting them out for free on Twitter. And people started doing well with it. You know, it was, we were building a community around that and, and inevitably people actually were asking us to charge for it. So it was more gated and it wasn't just available to everybody because, you know, it, it's kind of a PVP atmosphere for, for daily fantasy sports. And so that led to us creating a, a company around it, me and my partner, CG, and we created a company around that. And I was, you know, working on the website and and working on some um, lower level coding languages and things like that. And so I wanted to get more of, a, I guess, a, a, an official foundation of my knowledge. So I went back to school. I already had my associates, and I went back to school for a, a, ma a not a master's, a bachelor's degree in computer programming and web development. And while I was there, I created one of the first three D printing college clubs in the country. And I was running this company with my partner called Daily Roto Sharks. And so um, I ended up getting funding from New York State and the college that I was in. And I had my own office and stuff. And, it, you know, it started becoming something that I was kind of passionate about, but, you know, not so much that I would really develop a career around, but it was something that I did while I was in school. And so when I graduated from school, I um, ended up selling the business and leaving the college club behind. But what the club did for me was introduce me to some manufacturing facilities and then I ended up getting recruited to work at one of them. And so that was around, again, I think it was like 2019, 2020. I'm just so bad with dates. <laughs> but I was working there for about two years. And that's when I was transitioning out of working in restaurants. Um, so, you know, I was working a lot of crazy hours there and then I would go and work at the restaurant on weekends. And eventually I got promoted, starting to work a lot more there and just really couldn't maintain working in the restaurants anymore. 
So as I was transitioning out of that, that's when I was um, starting to work more on working with some websites and, and developing those and stuff like that. And so I was staying more online than I really had been towards the beginning of working at that job. And towards the tail end, um, while I was already kind of transitioning out of restaurants, that's when I got back into NFTs with NBA Top Shot. Mm -hmm. And so uh, four months into heavily trading NFTs, I was doing so well, I was actually able to um, leave the, the jobs I was at and go into trading NFTs full time around April of 2021. Wow. That's awesome. And so kind of full circle then where as a kid you're you're interested in you know playing basketball and football and you also have the uh passion for for gaming and now all of a sudden all these years later that that kind of convergence as we talked about before is is here you know or started uh you know last year where where sports and gaming have kind of collided in a way in which you can also make a profit from so that's that's pretty awesome yeah, yeah, it was great, man. You know, I, I was able to watch TV and there was a sense of gambling to it. And I've never really been much of a gambler. But the way that I saw it is, you know, you can have strategic edges and the more time you put in, the the better um, knowledge you gain and that helps you in the long run. So even though there was, you know, a, a gambling factor to it where, you know, you, you're not going to win every time, but I, I felt like I did have enough of an edge to do so. And I started building a community around it. And, and so just all these experiences throughout my life kind of led me to the point where I'm now where, you know, again, I'm not like a, a master of any one thing, but I have a lot of different skills from different areas of, of my experience that have led me to really this, this great convergence that we see now, man, I just really love what I'm doing and, and the community and the technology and everything. And I really do see a, a path forward for this industry more than just what trading is, more than just, you know, flipping some JPEGs back and forth. I, I really do appreciate the technology that's been built here and, and will continue to be built. So it's it's just something that, you know, I, I've followed my fascinations, my interests and my passions over the years. And it's led me to talking with you, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. And so... You know the, the the biggest nugget I think to to take from what you just said is is again coming back to just following your passions, following your interests, and eventually that leads if you stick with it to the the, the result of that most well hopefully, but you have a greater chance of landing in something that you enjoy enjoy doing if if the piece if the if the soup that you're making along the way is filled with filled with ingredients of things that you like then the output you would think hopefully is something that you like because you're not putting anything in there that you know you're not pursuing a path that you don't like you know so the yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's difficult um the, you know it, it, a lot of it depends on your environment as well and if you're able to like for instance if i if i had had gotten my wife pregnant a lot earlier to the point where like I wasn't able to, you know, take risks and transition and leave jobs and pursue this and, you know, kind of professional experience, then it would have definitely changed, you know, what the output was. 
So the the fact that I, I do have a, a, a huge risk tolerance, that's one thing. But also I had a, a ton of support from my wife to be able to do so. And I've always had faith in myself and, be, you know, kind of that will to survive and thrive. And so it, it definitely isn't for everybody. You know, you, you have to be able to put yourself in a position where if you do take those risks that you either have a backup plan or that you're willing to go so all in, so all in, um, but have some cushion for yourself, right? Like I, I wouldn't recommend anybody, you know, who has zero dollars to their name, jump into something so risky, right? You, you need, you need to be able to, and, and again, I was very, I saved a lot growing up. So I, I had a little bit of a cushion for myself. I didn't grow up with money. My family didn't have money, but I saved a lot personally. And I worked crazy hours with, uh, with restaurants. So I, I did have that buffer to be able to follow my passions. And, and I understand that that's, that's not the same for everybody. And so each person's situation is entirely different and personal to themselves. And you have to be able to be comfortable with the decision you make or else, you know, you might drive yourself crazy. Totally. Totally. And, and, you know, so there, there's a, it's almost responsible risk is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. In terms of, you know, learning more about the space uh, and digital assets and stuff like that. And, and then not only learning more, you become proficient at, at trading them. What then is the next step to you learning or, or being aware of, hey, I have some knowledge that now I can start to impart to other people? Well, I, I think it's, it's more about, again, being interested, finding what you like, and then learning about it. And the, the really cool thing about following your passions is that there's most likely other people out there who also follow those passions. And a lot of people don't have the time or the, um, the full-on interest to be able to spend a lot of their waking hours researching into something. And so the more you learn about something, the more you're able to teach people. And so I've always loved teaching people. So I like to learn about things and share my knowledge. And that's kind of what my social media experience has always been about. And so the, I was doing that last year where, you know, from a financial perspective as well, but I really wanted to learn what project founders for NFTs were doing, how they were going about building things, what their experiences were like, what they were building as well. So some of it was from an interest standpoint, but also do I want to invest in these things? So I was, I was interviewing project founders, taking a ton of notes, learning about what they're doing, learning about what technology they're using, how they're doing it, how they're building communities, what goes right, what goes wrong. And I was, I was uh, putting out reviews of projects and, and interviews of what I learned. And so people started gravitating towards that and asking me for help with what they were building. And then that eventually led to people offering to pay me for, for advice and guidance and, and strategy with NFT projects. And so I, I would just say in general, you know, if, if you're really, really interested in something and you're willing to learn about it to the extent that you can teach others, there's typically a market out there, whether you're giving it away for free or charging for it. Um, but it's also important to know your, your worth. And so once you get to the point where 
you know, you've learned a, a ton or you built up a, a big audience, you know, people are, are either willing to pay to learn from you or willing to pay to sponsor you to have access to the audience that you've built. And, and that's something that's um, pretty wide reaching these days, uh, you know, have everybody being able to make a podcast or have access to millions and billions of people on social media. And all, all it takes is really, you know, a, a few viral posts or, you know, a, a genuine interest in building a community and stuff like that. And it's just something that, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people, even if you're um, introverted, it, it, it's, it allows for people to be able to do it in a way now that you don't have to be like a, a Tony Robbins and have a, you know, MSG <laughs> full of tens of thousands of people, but you can be at home in front of your own computer and camera speaking to a podcast and have tens of thousands of people listening. So it, it opened up the doors, the techno this technology, it opened up the doors to people to be able to share their experiences in a way that they feel comfortable with. And uh, I think that's really, really um, great for just society in general. A hundred percent. You mentioned knowing your worth, which I think is a really important thing that that a lot of people, you know, we're not we're not taught uh, in school to, to to do that in a way that makes sense from a business perspective. You know, I'm referring to uh, more, you know, in 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 say like high school or, or middle school, even elementary school. Maybe there are certain there's no class on on that and so if you're working for yourself as as you are now how do you how do you determine what your value is and and how do you kind of have the awareness that okay hey i might be giving too much here or vice you know i'm not i'm not charging enough here or you know how do you how do you go about defining that worth there was a, a, a saying by Gary V about jab, jab, punch. So you give things away for free and then you charge. And so I didn't even know I was like following that pattern. I was just doing it, you know, and I would, I would put out, like I said, the, the daily fantasy sports stuff for free. And then people started using it and it being successful and then asked me to charge for it. I was putting out these project reviews for free and, and seeing that there was so much interest from people um, I started getting offers of, of people saying, Hey, you know, I, I know you've been doing this for free and you put it out, but can I pay you exclusively? So, you know, we can get on calls together and you could tell me some more details, you know, specific to my project, not just like general stuff. And so, you know, the, the, the more you put out there and the more interest you start to gain, the, the more you can charge, I guess, or at least like you see what people are offering you. You say, okay, well, this person offered me that. Like, if you're going to offer me less than that, then I might not be able to do it if there are other offers. So you kind of start to get this feeling for for what you can charge. And then, again, you know, my thing was always you, you do it because you like it, and then you get paid for it. And so the, the knowing your worth isn't about any specific dollar value, but knowing that when I first started and I did, you know, my first project review. I probably didn't know enough to charge anybody, but after doing, you know, 10 of them, 20 of them or, or whatever, you start to feel like, okay, I, I actually know a lot about this stuff and I could, I can help somebody do better than if they didn't have 
my advice. And so, you know, it, it's all about like, what, what do you think you're worth based on, you know, what you've been offered or what the market is out there? Would you see other people who, you know, um, who you can compare yourself like to your peers and say, all right, I, I've seen this person charge that, you know, I, I think I'm better than that. So maybe I can charge more or, you know, I'm on par with that. So maybe that's a good baseline for me. So I, I think it's all about what you've put into it and how it's not about like how much money you can get out of something, but more about like, what is the, the knowledge that you have, you know, is that valuable to someone besides yourself? And, you know, the, the market will prove that. And if, you know, you get offers for something and people say, Hey, we're willing to charge you a dollar per hour for this. And you're like, I, I think, you know, it, it's worth more than that. And then you settle on some kind of middle ground for the most part. And after, you know, you've done that a few times, you're like, Hey, you know, like, I feel like, you know, that's not enough for the value that I'm providing. Mm-hmm. And so again, there's no specific formula, but it's about learned experiences using, um, competitors, to gauge what you think you're worth and just, you know, having, um, having high value for yourself or or, or a high opinion of yourself, I think is important just because people who feel very poorly about themselves and don't have confidence in themselves, um, are, are willing to be walked over a little bit more than people who, you know, have that kind of confidence in what they're doing and what they know. Hmm. That, that, that hits it's uh, it's true. And I think a lot of what you're saying too, that confidence, it's kind of one hand feeds the other because that confidence comes in a lot of cases from knowing what you're doing and knowing that you could do it well, but you can't know that you're doing it well, unless you first know how to do it. So it's like, <laughs> a lot of times perhaps the jam up for some folks is that you know they want to be great at something right out the gate but i think in any field and we're you know specifically talking about uh web3 technology here but and, and advising uh it it there's a there's a patience too that i think people need to to remind themselves to have when embarking on a journey to to be good at anything and a lot it's especially hard with the technology and and you know the instantaneous culture that we have now where everybody wants everything today and and that includes i think to to what we're talking about here uh success yeah yeah it's 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 about the time you put in for yourself first in my opinion before you're able to really provide value to others. So like if, if, if you want to be like, Hey, you know, I, I bought this NFT. I'm an expert now, <laughs> you know, pay me. It, you know, someone would be like, okay, well, how much time have you put in? What have you done? You know, can you show me your portfolio or, or, you know, who you've helped in the past? And if you, you just don't have anything to show for it, then just people aren't going to pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you've put hours and hours and you've read books and listened to articles and you're like, you know what, I feel confident in what I know is going to provide value to others. Maybe I should charge for it, or maybe I should just test the waters and do some work for free to people, uh, for people and say, you know what, 
I, I worked with you for a few months on this. I gave you my time for free. What would you have charged for this going back? Like, you know, what kind of value do you think you got from me? And if they're like, nothing, you suck, leave me alone. They're like, <laughs> all right, I need to work on my approach. Yeah. But if they're like, you know, I, I would have charged you this amount of money and, you know, I would have been comfortable with that. Then you kind of have a baseline. So again, I like to do things for free first. I like to be helpful first. And then, you know, you could figure out what people are, are willing to pay for certain things. And I think if you just try to go about doing things the right way and not to say I haven't burned any bridges in my life, you know, like I, I've, I've had to work on my emotional intelligence for sure. But if you if you go trying to do things the right way with the right intentions, I feel like that has a, a big impact on how people really view you. Totally. And and what you're also talking about is that alignment between, you know, words, thoughts, actions. If that's coming again from a from a genuine good place, desire to help, coupled with it's almost like that's the sweet spot. Your your words, actions, and thoughts coming from a good place aligned with your passions. I mean, really, at the end of the day, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, "Hey, I've done everything I can." If if those if you're if you're you know hitting that bullseye regularly. Absolutely, man. That's very well said. And I, I think one of the things to to pay attention to is that everybody's going to have regrets and everybody's going to make mistakes, but it's about, you know, how you learn from them and how you improve on them in the future, whether that's professionally or socially. And a lot of my mistakes have been socially, you know, um, again, I I've always been, even though I'm social, I've been pretty introverted and I'm, I'm not the best communicating my feelings. And sometimes I might say something, the wrong way, even if I had a good intention for it, it just might come out wrong or, or whatever. And, and the only thing you could do is just try to move forward and, and reflect on things in a way that you can build off of and learn off of and, and not take up too much mental space and focus on the negativity of it. Even if it was a negative event, you know, you, you choose the way that you respond to things Mm. and that inevitably changes what the outcome is. Totally. Totally. Um, we could, we could, we could go on that tangent, uh, for the duration of, for the rest of this, uh, podcast, but I know there's a couple other things we want to get to. And, but I mean, that's, this is, uh, I I appreciate, uh, the direction we're, we're, we're heading here in turn, in terms of moving forward though, um, what, what kind of advice do you provide to, and is it, I guess this is a two-part question. What kind of advice do you provide to uh, folks creating web three projects and is it different if it's someone creating a project versus someone creating art? Well, I actually saw a video the other day that really resonated with me and it was about, um, a kid who worked in his parents' pizza shop and someone who was a regular came in and said, Hey, listen, I, you know, I forgot my wallet at home. I ordered this pie. Um, you know, can you help me out? And the kid was like, you know, no, I can't give it to you unless you pay. You have to go home and get your wallet. And the parents said, you know, this guy is a loyal supporter. He's someone that we know. You know him. You recognize him. I think we can help him out because remember, we're not the ones feeding him. He's the one feeding us. And that really hit with me, mm. you know, and, and it makes sense because they're, they're a food distributor, obviously. And like, so they're literally feeding him, but without 
loyal supporters, you know, you're not going to eat. And so with Web3 communities or, or project founders or whatever, I think it's just really important to understand that without your community, without the, the loyal supporters, without the people who are there to support you, you're nothing. And specifically in this industry, you have to be vocally supportive of your supporters. And so if you're able to do that, man, you know, the sky's the limit. You can you can have art with no utility or utility with no art. But if you have no community, you have nothing. So in essence, in the Web3 world, you're underscoring the point of community by saying that the true value of anything in, in this newer landscape is rooted in its ability to either generate community, cultivate community, or have a community. Yeah, I believe so. I believe Web3 is very social. I think you know, a lot of Bored Ape's success was around the community building things and not even necessarily the the Yuga Labs team. You know, they, they've done some cool things, but if you look at what their community has done, it's it's far outpaced what what Yuga has done. They've given grants to people who like Jenkins the Valet who are you know looking to to do their own stuff. And so I think that's really important. And it's something that the the Nouns DAO project has done really well, even though it's you know not centralized in any way. They support their community, they fund their community and to do cool things. And so that's why I said, like, you, you don't have to have your own art or utility if you're going to support the community who's doing things. And, you know, it supporting them gets you more support in general, because then people say, well, if I'm a part of that community, I'm going to be supported. So why wouldn't I want to be a part of that? So, yeah, Web3 is very social. And, and it's kind of like the, the story about the pizza shop. It's, it's the idea that you have people looking out for one another, which in a lot of ways, and I'm sure you've talked about this before, I certainly have, it, it's like the, not to say the old version of community, but there used to be a time, you know, it, it's, it, it's taking that community feel that, that we used to have in a way in, in smaller neighborhoods and, you know, where you know, know the people in your immediate environment, taking that, putting it in more of a web environment but the same sort of ethos it seems is being inserted into those communities that that were on a as you were saying in a, in an in-person environment yeah man i i think it all comes down to just you know support the people who support you because you know we're 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 all every one of us is you know we're on the shoulders of giants we we have to be appreciative of the people who came before us, but we also have to be appreciative of the people who got us to where we are. And so, you know, when you look at not just someone who bought an NFT you made, because you don't have to necessarily create NFTs, but someone who comments on your posts, someone who reaches out to you to say, hey, you know, I appreciate what you do. You know, I appreciate the people who appreciate me. And, and, um, I would say that the same thing should go for founders. And, you know, when, if you have narcissistic founders or, or people who are 
solely focused on their own gain and not the community who supports them, I think, you know, those are the ones who won't really last the test of time. Mm. Now more than ever, the importance of empathetic founders and creators is going to be much more of a of a of a desirable quality whether it's in art or in a project or anything like that i i would just say when when you have a project in general and and this is the theme that we're on you're going to have people who flip and trade and come in and out of it but there's going to be a core group that deserves the most love and so what i usually preach to projects when they're saying hey you know i i need someone for this role say all right you know who in your community do you think can handle that you know you need a community manager who's in the discord always showing love and always helping people you know you need a marketer you need a designer who in your community can you know can you send out an announcement saying hey we're looking we're looking for a designer. We want someone to make a new logo for us. You know, you're not, you shouldn't go jump into Fiverr. You should go jump into your Discord and say, who has the skills for this? And try to elevate the people who support you who also can do this stuff. Because, you know, what happens when you find someone to make a new logo for you and they put it out and, and you say, hey, this is created by this person. Steve made this logo for me. You know, if anybody else needs that, contact Steve, you know, and, and now not only did I just put you in a position to be able to make something cool that you can be proud of that we display, but also it puts you in a position and a a pipeline to get other work and other interest. And so I, I think that in general, you should always try to promote from within, but you also shouldn't get intimidated by someone who's getting too big. Right. Like if, if you bring someone on and they're starting to outshine you in some way, you shouldn't be intimidated by that. Like let, let's say, you know, I'm I'm hosting a Twitter spaces daily for, for a project, but there's someone who comes on stage all the time and they're, you know, really well spoken. They're able to describe the project succinctly, you know, offer them a co-host spot. Say, hey, would you mind, you know, running your own show for us? Maybe we'll subsidize it or things like that. Um, instead of being like, oh, let's get this guy off the stage. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's making me look bad because he's more knowledgeable about my project than I am. Right. You know, I, I think you, you should you should look to promote those people. You should look to you know give them value and and notoriety and visibility in a way that they wouldn't be able to under other circumstances. So it's it's not just sending out a tweet and saying thanks thanks to our supporters, we love you, but hey, here's someone who's in our community doing really cool things. We would love for you guys to check him out, him or her out, and see what they're building um, in, in the way that you know Yuga kind of paved the way for in, in this uh, industry. Yeah, and, and as you said before, you know, the doing that even within your, your own community helps elevate that community itself because now that community's becoming more of a resource for people and not only just a resource but something where it it helps increase the value of something you're already a part of by helping the people within it so it's it's kind of that continuous positive feedback loop that 
to to use the pizza shop example is just you know it's an it's like an upward spiral in some ways yeah absolutely and and i think it's really important to understand that and this is even just from a personal level you can't help everybody you can't save everybody you can't promote everybody there's limits right and so like if you if you hold a contest for someone to make your logo there's you know there's only going to be one person whose logo ends up winning at the end of the day, but putting the opportunity out there and people knowing that, you know, you're not just selecting from, you know, the same three people over and over, but you're, you're giving people a chance to shine, I think is very important. And uh, again, you, you have to have limits. You have to have boundaries just as a person. So you're not taken advantage of, but in, in many ways, it's more, more even about the opportunity itself and people knowing that if I'm a part of this, I can be put in that position in that situation. Because again, not not every designer from your group is going to be able to be the one whose logo you choose. But people understanding that, hey, if I'm a part of this community, I'll have the opportunity to shine, you know, and and I, I like to remind people that, you know, stay ready. You never know when when your chance is going to come, and it's one of the reasons I really love to support smaller accounts. It's it's why I like to come on you know newer podcasts who, who are trying to make a name for themselves because you never know. Um, you you never know who's going to blow up. You never know who's who's ready, and someone may have very few followers, but like they're ready for the spotlight. And it you know just because they don't have the followers now doesn't mean they're not worthy of it and i think that's something that's really important and it's about you know the um equal opportunity not necessarily equal outcome hmm. in terms of well said and in terms of those equal opportunities what what can we expect from you in the in the coming months uh in terms of advising collecting you know what what should we be on the lookout for from benjamin well, I'm always collecting, you know, I'm always trading. I'm always getting new things. I'm always trading. I just, I love that aspect of it. Um, but I, I would say the thing that I'm starting to focus on and, and notice the new audio equipment, but, um, I'm, I'm going to start doing a lot more content just generally. It's something that I've always enjoyed. Um, I, again, I like learning things, researching things and teaching them to people. So, um, what comes from that yet? I don't know, but and and essentially, you know, I, I want to put out a lot of information that's going to be helpful for people, that's going to um, bring knowledge to people, but also give opportunities for people to shine. And I don't have my own personal community that I've built out, uh, but I do have plans to do something like that and, and build around just the content in general, and whether that's giving people opportunity to join me in sharing that content, whether it's promoting artists who are not very well known, you know, people on the rise, up and comers, whatever, you know, I, I like to use my platform to give people opportunity and whether it's, you know, from an official channel of owning a project or just saying, Hey, come jump on my stream. I would love for people to hear from you about what you're doing. You know, th those are the kind of things that I think you can expect from me in the near future. Awesome. And for, for people who, who want to check that out, where, where can they find you? Well, the first thing I'll say is uh, follow me on Twitter at xbenjaminx. 
And so I, I have a link tree on there and I'm going to be posting up like my, my Twitch that I'm going to be live streaming from, uh, my YouTube that I'm going to be putting clips up. Uh, I post threads and I'll probably end up doing a newsletter as well. But everything, all the information I disseminate will be through my Twitter account. Awesome. Well, uh, Ben, I really appreciate uh, the time. This has been an awesome conversation and uh, best of luck with everything. And and again, really uh, appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lights, Camera, Crypto, a podcast produced by Matt Bogart and Decentral Media. Music by Brian Duncan and Kareem Imes. If you enjoyed this experience, be sure to rate and subscribe to our show and to follow at Sladen and at Decentral Media for additional content.